Welcome back. Episode 66. And we have with us today coach and all-around badass, Lindsay Martin, back for the third time. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Last time I talked before I was supposed to talk because I was really trying not to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, mm, yeah, don't say anything until I talk to you. <laughs> it's podcast 101. Yeah. <laughs> you get better at it. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, it's been a little while, so... I think last time we talked was before the season has had begun Mm -hmm. and um, just because things sometimes work out in unexpected ways, we are now talking after the season has ended for (laughs) For you. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I know not what you expected necessarily. So why don't you talk through, yeah, just sort of what you've been up to the past couple months and then how things played out for you with CrossFit season and where you're at right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly what month we it was that we talked, but like you said, it was before, I think, the Open. I learned a lot during the Open this year. Um, I think I w- <laughs> have to admit that I, like, let my ego get in the way a little bit. I think it had been a little while since I had, like, been, I don't know, obviously last year you were looking at the leaderboard and stuff, but I had, like, very low expectations last year because of how everything was with COVID and stuff, and so don't think I was as like obsessed with it and I couldn't let it go (laughs) during the open this year and like the fact of the matter is that the open doesn't matter anymore um and so to to back up a little bit like I started having knee pain in January um and so I started uh, I went in to see a uh, sports medicine doctor and it just like Canada, if you're familiar with our healthcare system, it takes very long. So I was actually <laughs> really jealous listening to Meredith talk about <laughs> how fast she got her foot looked at last <laughs> on her last podcast. Cause it yeah, but you didn't see her bank account dwindling down. To yeah. <laughs> it's worth that it. was, I didn't talk about the cost, but it was <laughs> significant. So yeah, so it's all free, but it <laughs> takes forever. So basically by the time I finally got in to see the sports med doctor, um, it was maybe a couple of weeks before the open and then I didn't get uh, the injection, the cortisone and uh, hyaluronic acid injection in my knee until during the open or right after the open. So in between the open and quarterfinals. And so I was really just hoping that the cortisone would kick in and I would be fine for quarter quarterfinals. And uh, that wasn't the case. So I kind of, um, sorry for the open. I, I I redid some workouts, which like, it just wasn't necessary. Um, Hopefully Mike doesn't listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So which, which workouts did you, (laughs) she redid them completely in secret. Yeah. Well, okay. So that, no, the first one I redid, he knew about because I posted about it on Instagram. So yeah, he made a comment afterwards like, oh, good job. Good uh, good thing you redid that workout. It was really close. You were (laughs) 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 i was like shut up mate um but yeah that one was kind of like i was just an idiot about the box jumps so i knew that if i just did the box jumps properly i could get a way better score so that's what i did um and actually uh brent fikowski was at opt the first time i did it which was really cool um but he was like you have to make a box. You have to make a box. It's only 20 <laughs> inches by 18. Oh, he's the one who told you to do yeah, that. Yeah. He was yeah. like, he was like, you need to play the game. You need to have like a rope that isn't like this. These ones at OPT, you need to have your own box. That's like 
smaller because it's still regulation Mm -hmm. and so i'm like obsessing over this i'm like (coughs) i didn't use the box i jumped like an idiot over the box jumps like i know i can do better so then i'm like talking to my boyfriend chris about it enough that he (laughs) goes and gets his friend and they make me a box they spend (laughs) a whole saturday making me this box so now it's like i literally can't not redo it because i have this brand new custom made box (laughs) that i need to try out um so i did and it wasn't it I don't think that one like messed me up too bad. It was just obviously you're like, you're then missing a training session to redo a workout that doesn't even matter. Did you <laughs> trust the box that Chris built? Okay, you, you, like- need, you guys should see this box because like they, it looks like it's like so well made. Like the, his friend is like, uh, I don't know what he does, but he builds stuff. He woodworks. Yeah, he woodworks. <laughs> like he has like a woodworking like station in his garage so this box is like better made than like the rogue boxes honestly um so yeah that contributed to me being like i need to test this box out brent's not wrong though like that's kind of where the sport is right now unless you're just like guaranteed shoe in like well not necessarily for the open no, 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 well no. no but it helps to you know it's like practice like you want to play and i think that's like where the open comes in like do you need to have knockout workouts no but it's good to go through the motions of like yeah like giving a a crap about the small details and being really detail oriented and saying like, is this rope the best? Like, am I using the best equipment that I can? Because when it's quarterfinals or if you do like another online semi, like it does, those details matter and you have to like, you have to practice paying attention Mm -hmm. to them because it's not easy to get into that mindset. Yeah. So yeah. So I even in quarterfinals, I went and did like, we were all kind of doing them together at OPT but like I know that the short rings are so much better. Like the cycle s- time is so much faster. So I was like, I'm just gonna go to rise and do it by myself, I guess, because yeah. I'm not using the long rings because I can get a way better score on the short ring. Yeah. So yeah, so it makes like a huge difference the equipment. So yeah, so <laughs> uh, Brent saying that, and that's why I redid the first one, and then my back blew up so bad on the second open workout. And so I figured if I just like went through it, like went pretty slow, but set my back properly, I could get a better score, even though it wasn't going to be a great score, which again, like it didn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, yeah, the deadlift burpee one. So anyways, I redid two and then I just made sure that I didn't even have the opportunity to redo the third one, Um, which was good because my knee was really shot after the third all the thrusters and stuff i woke up and like we're supposed to do a quarterfinals uh training camp that weekend and i mike had to like uh change every workout for me because i couldn't like not even an empty barbell (laughs) yeah you've been dealing with that knee injury for a while yeah so it like came up last year right before the open as well and i got this i got the injection earlier and it was just duralane so just hyaluronic acid Um, and it worked like well enough, like my squat still wasn't what I wanted it to be, but it was like, okay enough. Um, and so, yeah, so this time I just like, they told, they even told me like with the combination of cortisone, it should like, that should give you some immediate relief. And then the hyaluronic acid acid should kick in in like six weeks. You'll feel relief. Just yeah nothing yeah <laughs> so i've definitely been there with cortisone before like the only times I've, I've ever had success with cortisone is when i get it and then i can take time off to like mm. do proper rehab and prehab and stuff and then when i got it in my elbow and i did basically what you did which is like great i'm back at it yeah <laughs> and it did make it feel better 
initially, but um, yeah, apparently if you really go hard on a limb after you get cortisone, it just doesn't really do what it's supposed to do. So yeah, it sucks. (laughs) It's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah, it's tough. Where do you think the knee (laughs) stuff like originated for you? Um, like I have a feeling that it originated from my ankle. So I uh, tore the ligaments in my ankle. What was that? Like three or four, maybe? Years oh, ago? the rope. Yeah. Yeah. When you drove my car yes. home. Yes. I recall. <laughs> Mike was like, hmm. well, let me know if you want your training modified. <laughs> I was also on the, or the bike. Yeah. you. Were I was right in front of you and you were like, ow. And you're like, and I was like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> Let me know if you need me to actually stop my workout. <laughs> you did though. You, people like commented on that. Like, wow, Alex actually stopped her workout. You. She must have been in really bad shape. <laughs> I was like writhing around on the ground and Alex was like, stop moving. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done that. That is a, a unique uh, pain. That was also, you also did the open with a broken ankle. Yeah, I have a yeah. <laughs> bad track record. I'm just going to take the boot off and tape it up and do 150 wall balls. Yeah, and row with one leg. Like, just stop. <laughs> just stop. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. My um, brain is broken. There's <laughs> 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 something wrong with my head. You know yeah. those people who are really book smart, but not really street smart? <laughs> That's you. Yeah. I did the ankle on the rope thing in the middle of the 2015 open. Did that stop me? It did not. Was it smart? You ended up getting to the games that... Oh, no, that was me. (laughs) I ended up getting... uh, Let's see. What happened after that? Horrible back injury and quad tendonitis. So I think it's, again, all ankle related. You know, can't help ourselves. So the takeaway is never stop. Yeah. Just keep... Oh, where do I think it came from? Yeah, so I, I... tore all the ligament or tore a couple ligaments in my ankle a few years ago and now it just doesn't move the same as the other one yeah so that is what i think and like a lot of like practitioners that i've seen have said like yeah maybe but maybe not yeah so i had a a really good massage therapist in north carolina say that it was all of my issues on my right side my back my quads my uh hip stuff is all ankle because mm-hmm. I used to sprain my ankle all the time playing soccer always my right one and then that was the one I just murdered in 20, 2015 mm-hmm. she's like yeah it's ankle yeah. so like you have terrible mobility in your right ankle and so you move funny yeah yeah and I think that makes sense like, yeah. yeah literally it's like it's not even like I mean the ankle itself kind of opens up in squatting she's like but when you squat especially and like the heavier it gets you just kind of tilt mm-hmm. and so that starts to have bad yeah yep. implications so yeah, it could definitely be that. Um, the chiropractor I'm currently seeing for my back seems to think my knee pain could be stemming from my back as well. So yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. I think uh, I don't know. Quarterfinals just ended up being a bit of a write-off. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Like, so my as much as like my knee did slow me down just in general, like ac- across the board. Um, my overhead mobility is really terrible. So those like um, overhead dumbbell walking lunges. Right. Like I literally can't do those. Yeah. Like the video is ridiculous. <laughs> it's yeah. It's were, like, were your arms bent? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So yeah. Was my knee hurting? Yes. If my knee wasn't hurting, would I have still got a really shitty score on that workout? Also yes. Yeah. So 
yeah i think like obviously in semis last year they had the single arm overhead squats and that so i didn't get a good score in that workout but it was like i was already at semis which for me is like that's like the pinnacle that's what yeah. i'm shooting for so i don't think like to be honest it, it wasn't enough of a repercussion for me to be like i need to work on this <laughs> you know and so like yeah now this it like it kept me out of being competitive at all yeah and so now i'm working on my overhead mobility literally every day and yeah. it actually is getting a little bit better so like i'm mad at myself for not doing it sooner but hopefully i'll make some some changes now and i'll be able to do more overhead stuff yeah <laughs> stuff. yeah the double overhead anything is brutal mm -hmm. and they put in that standard this year where you couldn't touch the dumbbells mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people could probably go overhead and then like smoosh them together yeah. and get some stability there. But they said, nope, can't do that. Except apparently if you're like Annie Thor's daughter and a couple of other like big name people who did it and yeah. didn't have any issues with their videos. But that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, do we want to get into yeah. <laughs> that and yeah. the workout? Yeah. So I think, yeah. So I had workout one that was just really bad for me and i was like okay like if if that's gonna be the case then i need to absolutely crush number two and number three and i did crush number two it's, what was number two it was the pistols and the right. ghd and yeah. muscle ups um it took me a full hour of like wrapping my knee and doing like like activation exercises and then i took motrin tylenol and naproxen yeah just the <laughs> just triple whammy <laughs> just and a shot of vodka yeah and some meth. Not feel it anymore. <laughs> and then i was able to do a pistol um but yeah it did like finish like 74th or something in that workout yeah. so that was good and then workout three was it yeah i saw when those scores came out i was like right away i was like people didn't do the workout right like yeah. it was just too complicated and like the wall ball being the 10 feet for both men and women. Yeah. Like I guarantee some people miss that. And then the shuttle run being 25 feet there and back is one. Yeah. People <coughs> just like screwed that up. Yep. So it's a little, it is honestly like a little bit disheartening that CrossFit did nothing about it. Because they, their thing was basically like, we have looked at it and the impact to the qualifiers is null. Like there's no, we've decided it wouldn't have impacted the top people. And I'm like, how did you decide that? Yeah. Like you can't possibly know that until you eliminate those scores, like yeah. eliminate, they're gone. Yeah. Zeros or right. whatever. There need to be more disqualifications. Um, Otherwise no one is actually going to read the rules. Yeah. Like what does this mean for next year? Yeah. Like I don't have to care about the standards. It says 10 feet. I'm going to do it to nine feet. It says 50 feet. I'm going to do 25. Like, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. You see them making adjustments to like some of the top athletes. I don't think they're making the right adjustments to everybody. And mm. then you have that. And it's just, it's basically saying that there's, there's two different sets of rules. Yeah. But the problem is that the person, the people who are scoring, you know, like 1000th, 2000th place, but not doing that properly are definitely having an impact on the leaderboard yeah. in like a way that's impossible to even like understand until you like make those changes yeah and see how it falls yeah i mean the the issue with crossfit is it's such a small organization like they just they don't have the infrastructure to run a large online competition mm -hmm. they know that so 
just keep it really simple. Yeah. Like keep the workout simple. You don't need them to be complicated. You can add in skilled components without it being complicated. Mm-hmm. You make sure that the right people get to, to semifinals where they can be judged in person. Like it's not a hard concept. They've been doing it with the open for years. Mm-hmm. What, sucks. what sucks is it's a small organization and they need to not make it complicated, but they do. And then you have all of these people putting all this time and effort into it. And then, yeah, it's just unfair. Yeah. And that, I think it was Brian Friend at uh, the Morning Chalk Up that said, like, it's at the point now where, like, people who are trying to get to semis are dedicating hours of their day to training. Like, they take it incredibly seriously, and all they're asking is that their performance be judged fairly. Yeah. And it's it's not. And, it others, and other performances be judged fairly. Yeah. Like, be judged fairly in the context of your peers yeah. and comp- competitors. Yeah. So um it's tough like it's people who get really i mean it's like uh, understandably uh, upsetting but at the same time i'm like they've been doing this shit for years yeah (laughs) and yeah i do get that like the very top people are still making it on like no one yeah no one like i don't know tia claire Toomey still made it you know like mal o'brien still won the open like um so like they are still getting the right people to the games but i just think that like there are people whose goals are semifinals. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. And like, it's like with the amount of training and you can't take away from someone like that. You can't say just because someone was taking the last qualifying spot for semis that they're like, that the person right behind them doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they do matter. And, and it's, those are the people that get affected by this kind of thing. It's Mm -hmm. not the people in the top 10, but they're working just as hard to get to that stage. So Mm -hmm. it has to be, you have to respect that effort and, treat it with the same consideration i think mm-hmm. which isn't happening but maybe one day mm-hmm. we can hope <coughs> thanks for letting me come on here and voice my <laughs> oh no yeah that's what we do. <laughs> we do that's basically why we have a podcast it's so fun there's like this this thing um you know when you're you're in the circle i don't know the crossfit circle they've they've really had a problem for many years on like with dissent or disagreement or Mm -hmm. just saying like hey this isn't right um so i think that it's important to be able to voice that but the guy um do you follow hiller fit Mm -hmm. yeah i started Um, because of all of this yeah so this guy's on instagram now and on youtube he's also the head judge now yeah alex was like oh the head judge and i was like oh alex no that was a joke it's april 1st yeah (laughs) i fell for almost every single one of those except ours except ours yeah tydax had one they had like a bar or a rack for like a bar and plate that was a leco that was a leco oh i was like oh it's a leco i was like oh what (laughs) what's so your barbell can rust i was like alex (laughs) april 1st Every single time I follow this like backcountry mm-hmm. uh, ski lodge mm-hmm. and it was like so-and-so backcountry lodge per- purchased by at Vale something or other people in the comments were losing their oh, minds. No. They're like corporate sellout, this and this and this. Like, I can't believe you would sell out to, to Vale. And they were like, guys, April fools. Check like why would Vale buy a back? Yeah. Anyways. Um, but no, I love that guy. Cause he's basically saying all this stuff that either, like we have said and just gotten like shit all over or that I just, I think, and I don't necessarily put out there, but Danny Spiegel put in the completely wrong score. Yeah. And then on the other side, Annika Greer gets kicked out. Yeah. 
she didn't submit a score and i'm like what's yeah. the difference i mean like i know i agree that annika mm-hmm. agree, like you should have checked your score yeah but well a lot of people don't and she didn't have a score and didn't have a video a lot of people put up put up videos with dead links and they're not doing anything about that so mm-hmm. you can put up a score and like not have either not have done the workout yeah. or not like don't have a video and you can basically either like hope that they don't reach out to you about it or when they do say like, oh, I typed in my URL wrong. Mm-hmm. Here's the video recorded yeah. on a day that I don't know. Is it was it recorded on the right day? There's no date ver- ver- verification. So it's just there's a lot wrong with the system. And then Danny's been doing this shit for years. Like she I think she knows that it is is better for her to put in a bogus score, do bogus reps, accept whatever the penalty is, mm-hmm. than it is to actually do the movements to standard yeah. because she'll just be really slow. She straight up loses ring muscle up workouts like every single year. Yeah. So it's like, what do you think is going to happen? So annoying. Okay, so back to you, Lindsay. Um, like, how was it for you? You know, you put a lot of time and energy and effort into this and you had the goal of getting back to semifinals and, you know, there's got to be some disappointment. Um, like how how was it during quarterfinals kind of knowing that you weren't going to make it back? And then how is it for you now, like looking back on it? Yeah, I think like you just like <laughs> I just like let myself feel it for a bit. Like I was like so sad and I obviously was like, yeah by the the second day i knew like this isn't <laughs> this because we had done workout four workout one and two at that point and i was like it's it's probably over <laughs> for me like again i don't have that like off switch so like i still gave the last two workouts literally everything i had um and so yeah i just <laughs> cried a lot um over the weekend because i just like like you said, like I'm like I work so hard, I put so much into it, and it isn't going the way <coughs> that I wanted. Like not even close. Like yeah. I don't even have a chance. Um, I think I don't know. I li- I just like really like to reflect on it a lot. I like hung out with with like my boyfriend and just like took some some time. Um, I took the whole week off. Like sometimes I I won't do that. I'll just be like nope put me back <laughs> back yeah. in coach I won't do that I was like Mike I need the whole week like um I talked I did talk to Mike a little bit about it um really like asked myself like okay like do you want to keep doing this like and like are are you ready to be done and like the answer is no and so then if the answer is no then you just start thinking about like the pragmatic steps to get back to where you want to be um which is obviously dealing with my knee, dealing with my back and working on my overhead mobility. So you just kind of make those like more process oriented goals again. And and those are the, so then you focus on those things. Like I'm not thinking right now about like semis 2023. I'm just like really like honed in on those three things, I guess. And like, um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Like sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it's like, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I think I always just come back to that question well like are like the alternative is to quit like you can't do it half-ass you can't just like kind of do it so like do you want to quit or not and if the answer is no then keep going yeah so um I think it also honestly helps with like having uh clients that are 
doing so well. So I have three mm -hmm. clients that are that did qualify for semis and like I would be lying if I said there was zero jealousy there. There obviously is. Like I am I want to be where they are. Yeah. Um but I'm also like simultaneously so stoked for them. Yeah. Just, like cuz like one of them I've been working for with for I think I think almost a year cuz yeah, I'm pretty sure we were working together last last season as well. Um so I know how hard she's working. I know like what she's doing for all three of them. Like I know, I know what they're putting into it. And so like for it to pay off for them, like I'm stoked. And then the fact that I just like, am like a tiny piece of that. Like I, I get a lot of like, um, yeah, like, like joy from that as mm -hmm. well. So it, I, I do think about that a lot is like, I'm like s simultaneously holding these two kind of conflicting feelings to towards them. Um, yeah, because they have what I what I want, but I'm also like just like so like proud of them at the same time. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I I try to like lean into that side of like being proud of them and like having um something to do with it because I I'm happy about that and I am gonna go uh in June to watch Hannah Morochuk compete at Atlas Games. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that, that that's gonna be really fun and it'll be like kind of a way to stay in it i know that there are gonna be like a lot of like <laughs> jealous feelings watching yeah. it because like i don't want to be in the stands i want to be on the floor mm -hmm. um <clears throat> but yeah i just try to look at the good sides of it <laughs> yeah yeah it is complicated though mm -hmm. a lot of emotion i think but sure. that's high level competition i think in anything i had a similar thing happen to me last year i didn't qualify and i had a couple clients who did and i was just like oh yeah He's like, so Alex, how do I prepare for this competition? And she's like, eat nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to start fasting now. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Fasting. Yeah. Like even for me watching semifinals last year was really tough. I think even though I had decided I needed to take a step back from CrossFit and had kind of started running by that point, it was still difficult for me. And I think anytime you want to qualify, you know, you're trying to qualify for a competition and you don't make it watching other people compete is going to be difficult. But on the flip side, I think for you especially, it's just going to provide a lot of motivation for, for next year to get back. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of, obviously I'm going to support Hannah, but I also think it'll be a net good thing <laughs> yeah. to go and watch it just for my, like you said, my own kind of motivation and stuff. No, I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, June, we I can go to come. Atlas. <laughs> yeah, I'll look into it. <laughs> Alex doesn't like frivolous travel, but I do, so. My grandma's best friend lives in Montreal, so we can just stay with her. Perfect. It's cheap. <laughs> every time we go somewhere and, they have a cot. Every time we go somewhere and stay with, some, with someone else, yeah. it ends, number one, there's going to be tears. <laughs> um, and then it always ends with, like, Alex, we can, we're in our 30s, we can afford our own place to stay, and we always end there, and then what happens next time? We stay with someone. And it's like... <laughs> when do we get to graduate beyond someone's guest room double bed that is also shaped like a taco is that something that is ever going to happen maybe maybe montreal can be that can yeah. be that for you. so b basically the focus right now is just on sort of the the process and the things that are kind of right in front of you and not on like what the next phase is specifically yeah i think um like Competing at the highest level I possibly can is always the goal. 
I also recognize that I have some like hurdles coming up this year. Like my sister's getting married and I'd be lying if that wasn't causing me a lot of anxiety about <laughs> training. Like I don't think I would <coughs> say that to her, express that to her. She's got her own anxiety going on about the wedding, but I'm going to have to miss probably because it's my sister gets married and then <coughs> Chris, uh, Chris's brother gets married the next week. Oh, so yeah. yeah. And then plus, so like the bachelorette party, mm-hmm. bridal shower, which I didn't know. I didn't know was a thing, but I guess forgot about. So my mom is roping you me into tell that. Her you don't need those yeah. <laughs> Just wait until we have our, our flash wedding in September and you're on the hook for all of yeah. these activities again. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I'll be, uh, well, I'll know what all the, all the things by then. I guess. Yeah. I forgot. There's so many like sort of mini miniature obligations, especially when you're so close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When person. your family's like in a different country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to miss a lot of that or all of it, uh, for my sister's wedding because of like COVID. COVID. But, and I think she didn't do quite as much as she had initially planned on, but yeah, yeah it's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I've got some kind of like hurdles, obviously, like taking a week off here and there isn't going to kill me, even though it feels like it might. But yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the goal is always to just compete. Um, but I don't want to do it like I just did it. Like, it's not fun to be in that much pain or to like start out physically not being able to do a pistol, having to like figure it out and obviously like crying my eyes out in the process and then yeah. finally getting it and then getting amped up again to do the workout like it wasn't I don't want to do that again <laughs> so like I'm not I'm going to sit out of competitions until my knee is better yeah so that's smart yeah I was like kind of hoping to do the Madrid CrossFit uh championship mm-hmm. or challenge but that um what's it called qualifier is starts may 1st yeah yeah so it's too late for that so yeah just gonna focus on the process and see where that gets me and if i'm good by opt's competition i'll probably do that yep and then it'll be the open or maybe miami with you guys i don't know if that's still on the table yeah we have a place booked so (laughs) (laughs) alex is still in she's noodling it Mm -hmm. she's in deciding mode Mm -hmm. but I like look at those weights. I'm like, damn, that was heavy this year. And I'm like, I am not in shape to be lifting that right now. That's cool. Um, Well, thanks for filling us in on that. I think it's, um, there's definitely some universal, 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 universal themes (laughs) and competition. And um, yeah, a lot of what you said is really familiar. And I've been there a few times. I don't know if Alex has, because she used to not get injured at all, Mm -hmm. but wild yeah i've definitely been there so (laughs) um right so um we are going to spend a little bit of time today talking about uh poop which (laughs) is uh, honestly one of my favorite topics and that's not a joke so um you're kind of our residents i would say like of our coaching team staff you're the most sort of into the science as far as like specific nutrition stuff goes Mm -hmm. um which is which is cool. And so you, um, had sent along kind of a blog post, which inspired this topic on IBS. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's what we're going to discuss a little bit today, kind of the background, um, symptoms, subtypes, and then sort of how to proceed, um, with intervention for it. 
and what kind of expected outcomes could be for that. So, um, IBS, Lindsay, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of, (laughs) I guess, an odd topic to just kind of bring out, uh, out of the blue, but, um, obviously we do get clients occasionally that like either think that they have, like they kind of self-diagnose themselves with IBS, um, or, and then, and in doing that, they obviously have actual, um, problems that they like digestive issues that they, that, that that's stemming from. Um, so I think that's probably what led me down this kind of rabbit hole and caused me to, to write the, the blog post and want to discuss it. Um, that being said, I think it is kind of important to talk about, uh, what you should do before you decide that you have irritable bowel syndrome or like things that you could do, um, before you even like go to the doctor, because there are so many, so much like low hanging fruit. Like I had this client, um, a couple months ago and she, I've been working with her for a long time. And she told me all of a sudden that she was like, like always got bloating and always had like, like, uh, her digestion was never very good. Um, and I was like, oh, well, like, like, let's look at some of these things first. Like, do you, chew your food like do you make sure that you're like (laughs) make sure you're chewing your food um people always find that to be such a ridiculous question and I'm like no but do you yeah because a lot of people then they think about it and they're like you know what I don't yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah she was like actually my friends always comment on how fast I eat and how I'm always done before everyone else and and all this and I was like okay so let's start there. Like I want you to put your fork down in between each bite and I want you to think about chewing your food. Done. That was it. That was it. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Literally it. We didn't need to go any further than that. So yeah. I think like making sure that you don't jump to these like elimination diets right off the bat because they're obviously very difficult to, to stick to and to, to do when you could literally just chew your food, maybe go for a walk after you eat mm-hmm. Um, definitely manage your stress. Like that's always an underlying thing with all of this, even with IBS, like there is, um, that CNS, um, part of it and like managing your stress is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and then again, just for like people with any kind of digestive issues, again, without even going into IBS, like looking at your fiber intake, is it really, really high or is it really, really low? So I think you guys have maybe mentioned this on the podcast before, mm-hmm. like people will be like, oh, like I'm so gassy. Like I, um, yeah, I'm having a hard time with like bloating and stuff. And you look at their logs and they're eating 70 plus grams of fiber a day. Yeah. And then you just bring that down and it fixes it. Yeah. I think that's like classic, you know, well, it's, you know, like foods that contain fiber are healthy. Yeah. Therefore more of those foods is a good thing. Yeah. Um, when it definitely reaches a point where that's not, there's no longer a good thing and can cause those issues. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that would be kind of something that you would want to look at before. Um, so as far as what, uh, IBS actually is, it's a functional gastrointestinal disorder. Um, it affects approximately 10 to 15% of the population. Um, and it's actually more common in females than males, which I didn't know until I started looking into it. Yep. Um, like I said, it does involve your central nervous system. So we've got the uh, the gut bra- brain axis. Um, and it's also characterized by microbial dysbiosis. Um, and then you have an altered immune and inflammatory response in the intestine to food. Um, and then obviously with that, you're going to have an increased awareness and sensitivity to gut distension. So, um, I'll get 
a little bit into that a little bit more, but um, it seems like like they've done studies where the amount of bloating from a certain food will be the same, but only in those with IBS is there pain. So we have this like like visceral reaction oh, yeah. to the bloating yeah. that like normal normal people don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was uh, interesting. Um, so yeah, so they don't always know uh, what the root cause is. Um, it can be from like an infection. So you can get it from like a bacterial infection um, or it can be completely uh, nonspecific. Um, the big thing with IBS specifically is that there's no structural damage um, or biochemical abnormalities um, like there would be in IBD. So you actually see like um, damage to the in- intestine with something like IBD or with, with celiac disease, you're, yeah. you're actually getting like an attack um, on your on your tissues because um, it's an autoimmune thing. So it's looking at, it's, it's recognizing uh, these things as uh, like pathogens or something that needs to be destroyed and it ends up damaging your uh digestive system in the process um so yeah so that's what it is and then as far as symptoms um in order for it to be considered uh ibs uh you have to have at least two of the four symptoms that i'm going to mention here and they have to be going on for six plus months um so it has to be it's a long time yeah that you have to just deal with it yeah Um, so there has to be either altered stool passage, so straining or urgency or incomplete evacuation, um, bloating, uh, distension or hardness, which is made worse by eating, and then the passage of mucus. So two out of four of those need to be present in order for it to actually be considered IBS. Um, I guess if you only have one, then tough cookies. (laughs) (laughs) SOL. I guess probably going back to some of those like more basic things would yeah. hopefully help something like that. Um, there's four types. So four subtypes of IBS. Uh, so we've got diarrhea predominant, constipation predominant, mixed, and then uncategorized. So um, <clears throat> when they go to treat it, there's going to be differences in how they treat each subtype, especially uh, in between the diarrhea and the constipation predominant one. Um, so in order to diagnose it once you like get to the actual clinic they need to rule out anything else so they're going to make sure that you don't have uh ibd obviously by making sure that there's no actual structural damage um, or celiac disease or or anything like that so once they've ruled out those things we've got first line treatments so things that they're going to try to do first before going on to the second line intervention which is a an elimination diet um so the first one is kind of uh, close to to what w- what you would do like what I talked about with people with just kind of like general um, digestive issues so you want to just make any dietary changes that might help so you want to decrease alcohol and caffeine you want to lower uh, spicy and fatty food intake um, and then as far as fiber intake goes that's where it kind of um, disperses I guess so mm-hmm. for subtype one for diarrhea predominant you want to decrease fiber intake um, obviously this is going to be temporary and there's pros and cons to doing this. So, um, <clears throat> like we already mentioned, fibers is super important for, um, nutrient absorption and, uh, just like proper emptying of, of the gut and stuff. So, um, it's not something that you want to do long term, but it might help to decrease symptoms, kind of, um, make things 
get back to normal and then you can start introducing um, more fiber again, hopefully. So recommended fiber for women is 25 grams per day and for men it's around 35. So what would low fiber look like? I think it would be like as low as possible. So you'd probably be looking at like less than 10. Yeah, I'd say sub 10. You want to basically get rid of like fiber-induced gut motility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Try to slow things down. Yeah. Clog it up. Yeah. (laughs) Plug it up. (laughs) Literally. Uh, And then on the other end, constipation predominant, we want to increase fiber, particularly soluble fiber. And there was a study um, that showed that flaxseed was potentially more effective than psyllium husk. Psyllium husk is usually what's in like metamucil or like your typical like fiber supplement. So it's kind of an interesting note that uh, flaxseed was actually uh, more effective. Hmm. Um, A lot of people will point to dairy. And that was also another interesting thing as I was looking through this stuff is that um, sometimes it's just not like dairy actually isn't one of the like most... um, one of the things that that causes a lot of symptoms like usually it's kind of like doesn't matter if you have it in or not as like on obviously unless you have like a lactose intolerance um and then a lot of times if there is a sensitivity to dairy it's a dose dependent so and i do see that a lot in my clients too like they can have a little bit of cheese or they can have (laughs) yogurt or they can have like aged like really old cheese but they can't have other stuff and so it's like i think there's a lot of individual variability as far as dairy goes um, and then stress management and, uh, the intensity of your exercise. So I think we talked about this one in the last podcast as far as like, uh, with sleep, um, uh, same thing with like your digestive health. So if you're not, if some people I feel like are just not cut out to be doing CrossFit. So like, I completely <laughs> agree with that. And that sucks if you really love it, but like sometimes your body just like does not. So, Mm -hmm. so a lot of times if you have, um, some of these symptoms, like switching to more low intensity exercise can be really helpful, which again is hard for people to hear sometimes. Um, so, so yeah, so just like either like adding more walking, um, I don't know, low intensity stuff like biking or something, um, could help a lot. Yep. So, so yeah, so if there's no improvement in symptoms, um, from any of that, then you move on to the second line intervention. So, um, specifically here, they've found, uh, a pretty, pretty good results with low FODMAP diets. So that is something that I was like interested in looking at as well, because again, that's, it's kind of like a buzzword. It's kind of like a, something that people are talking about a lot, um, on Instagram and stuff like that. And like, people just get it really wrong i find like like i don't think yeah they understand what fodmaps are and the number of people who've come to me saying like i'm on a low fodmap diet and i was like well has it been three weeks or like (laughs) long they're like no i've been doing this for months and i'm like please stop doing that (laughs) yeah yeah so like doing like the low fodmap like um elimination diet again is like like any elimination diet is going to be like quite restrictive and like the goal of any diet like that is to get as many of those foods back into the diet and I think that's what people miss is that they're like oh I can't have any FODMAPs at all like (laughs) never ever ever again yeah and there's uh there's that list the mana is it monash oh how do you pronounce that 
the the whole list of yeah and yeah. they come out with new they add to it yeah they add to it so then like, <laughs> it'll be like bad news Dang. strawberries are fodmaps now <laughs> you guys you can't eat fodmaps <laughs> and people no. who have been eating strawberries with no symptoms no will symptoms stop eating, will stop eating like you f- yeah so yeah so i think there's a bit of a disconnect <laughs> sidebar i feel like some acronyms don't necessarily need to be acronyms yeah. for example amrap Mm -hmm. (laughs) as many reps as possible that one's easy fodmap (laughs) fermentable (laughs) oligosaccharides disaccharides monosaccharides monosaccharides and the one that i struggle with struggle with the most (laughs) polyols yeah Yeah, that's so 100 percent fodmap that that needs to be an acronym so with like an an elimination diet like for me that's um, you've got like dairy and gluten, corn, maybe like peanuts. Um, but then you have with the FODMAP diet, it's like every single fruit and vegetable. Yeah, it's like almost like it's like a huge, huge list, um, which, again, is why you don't want to be doing it for a long time because it's so restrictive. Very different from a traditional elimination mm-hmm. diet. Yeah, it is both extremely broad and extremely specific. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow. Because these, like, the the types of foods, so fermentable, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, polyols, are found in so many different types of foods. The list is, like, again, sometimes they just find new ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's how many foods. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so they're, like those things like oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, polyols, those are four different things and they are, they can affect the gut differently, like similarly for a lot of them, but differently. Um, so oligosaccharides are not easily broken down. Um, and we don't have the enzymes required, uh, so because we don't have the enzymes required to break them down. Um, so then they undergo fermentation in the gut because they're kind of just sitting there. Um, so then they produce more gas, hydrogen, or methane, um, and that leads to bloating, pain, flatulence. Flatulence again. Uh, some people won't experience that. Some people will experience that, but there's no there's no pain. Yeah. Type thing. So um, then disaccharides. So lactose is a disaccharide. So that does kind of uh, fall into that with the dairy uh, stuff. And then mo- sorry, disaccharides and monosaccharides um, exert an osmotic effect. So they're going to uh, draw water into the gut, um, which can cause that distension. And then polyols basically work similarly as, as the other two. Um, so to try to get into, try to, try to fix that and that reaction to those things, you go into, you try a low FODMAP diet. And again, it's not a diet for life. It has three specific phases. Um, and it really should be, uh, supervised by, like a clinical practitioner, like even for us to, to be able as nutrition coaches mm-hmm. to, to be able to like watch them like as closely or like to like lead them through that diet is almost like, have you guys, I have not had anyone do a FODMAP. Yeah. Yeah. It's- yeah. With like an elimination diet, that's pretty like restrictive and extreme. So I usually refer out to somebody, really um, just it's out of my scope and most people would, when they're at that point, they just need someone who's a little bit more experienced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also you get the, like the white coat effect, like people, I have a lot of clients who will do exactly what I say, but then I have a lot of clients who 
you know, maybe they want to be on FODMAP and I'm the one that they want to help. But then like, they also kind of don't listen to me all the time because <laughs> yeah. like there's a difference between <laughs> a nutrition coach and, um, a doctor. Totally. And I think that you get the immediate white coat, like, yes, I will do that. And like that, that's not to say that everything doctors say or do is correct, but yeah. you generally get a higher level of compliance when it's coming from a clinical where I find I can play a role, um, even if people are doing a elimination diet outside of uh, my scope, is just to make sure that they're getting in um, the recommended macronutrient ratios and calorie intake, especially if it's um, like a more active person, just because when your diet is very, very restricted, your intake can be greatly reduced. So making sure that that person is eating enough throughout the, you know, six to 12 weeks, however long the diet is. Um, can be really important. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I think I've tried to help someone through one, I think two clients and both of them, like it was just like, they got not even a weekend. They're like, I can't, I can't yeah. do this. Yeah. Like, it's like, I can't eat anything. And I was like, I know, like I, <laughs> I tried to tell you. So then we try to like, like walk it back. Like, let's try not eating, like really pay attention to like when these symptoms occur, which obviously like sometimes it's not like like that. It's not like you eat it and right away you get get the bloating yeah. and stuff. But let's try to like just like pay attention to like what you're eating when you get the symptoms, stuff like that. Like try to figure it out that way. Um, and one girl ended up like going and getting like SIBO testing and stuff yeah. and like working with with a naturopath, I think, anyways. Um, because, yeah, the <laughs> this diet is tough. But I think, oh, where is that? I don't think I wrote it down, but there was a stat that I read about like people who actually have IBS, like they would trade, what was it? It was something crazy. It was like, I would trade 10 years out off of my life, like off of the end of my life for relief of these symptoms. Like that's yeah. like how much it is like impeding on their quality of life. Yeah. So. I had IBS. I mean, I'm looking at this list here and I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, this kind of fits the bill. I mean, for the last like six or seven years, I've been doing all the testing and, like I did um, the full elimination diet. I did IgG testing, celiac testing. I've had multiple stool samples. I got a scope done and, you know, it's all coming back and it kind of just comes down to stress. And I think back and I look at the timeline and it all started, um, you know, when I was like 20, 21, 22, when my sister died and I went to school a couple weeks later and I was in Alaska by myself and, you know, my anxiety was really high. And then I got home and basically like I had some therapy and then I went and I was writing the LSAT and then after that I went to law school and then I was working in a really high um pressure law firm when I was articling and then While yeah through all that doing CrossFit, CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> of all of the exercises to be doing but I think to go back to the first line treatments just because you mentioned it and I wanted to to go back um, you know, because FODMAP and any elimination diet is quite extreme. I think that with the, the way, um, like people kind of miss the boat on the, the first line treatments because they don't commit to doing them for long enough. Mm -hmm. Like, I think number one, people don't know what strength, like stress management actually means mm -hmm. what that means for your day to day. Um, they aren't willing to improve their, their sleep for an extended period of time, like lowering intensity with exercise people who are into CrossFit are like, okay, so you want me to run your walk for what, like a week, two mm -hmm. weeks? And like, no, I want you to do that for six months. Yeah. And I like, at the same time, I want you to 
you know, do some cold exposure and like manage your stress, like do some meditation, like incorporate breath work, like prioritize sleep, all of these things. Like it has to be done for, for longer than I think people are willing to, to do it, Mm -hmm. which is strange to me because then the next step is obviously elimination diets and eliminating potentially, you know, types of foods for many years when in reality, like had you just given the first line treatments more than two or three weeks to work, mm-hmm. they would probably work for me. Yeah. The, the feedback loop with the gut brain access is really crazy mm-hmm. and the impact that it can have on like serotonin, which impacts like happiness, motivation, all of that kind of thing. Like, man, you can really get stuck in a bad place with that when you're like your, your gut's dysfunctional, you're stressed about that. Like that's also causing you more stress, which feeds back into the gut. And also feeling stressed, thinking that you're intolerant to a food. Well, they've done research that a lot of like a gluten sensitivity is psychosomatic. Yeah. People just believe that it's a problem. So it's a problem. And I don't know, like I've, we've seen so many intake forms come across, um, you know, our emails. And so have you, like I've started to notice trends with age groups. Mm -hmm. And so I would say like the, the elder millennial, um and what's the generation before us i never know gen g y maybe <laughs> just make it up <laughs> i would say uh, like mid to late 30s yeah. into your 40s and then obviously the boomers like when it says any do you have any allergies or sensitivities the answer is usually no mm-hmm. maybe dairy mm-hmm. but if they they do they're like i am literally lactose intolerant mm-hmm. like they, ha- they have a, a problem or an actual allergy And then you get into um, younger millennials and Gen Z and it's like, do you have any allergies or sensitivities? And it's like this, 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 (laughs) like just long list. Anything that has ever come up on an IgG test. The best is when you look at your, their logs and you're like, wait a sec. (laughs) But it's so, it's so interesting. And they've done, you know, they have done research or they've done surveys and they have found there's a generational correlation between dietary sensitivities and all it is is the perception that there is a sensitivity maybe they've done an igg test maybe they just think gluten is bad and Mm -hmm. so they've decided that they're sensitive to gluten they've decided everyone is sensitive to gluten okay on that note i have um a slightly (laughs) embarrassing story um and it's well it's not embarrassing for me it's more embarrassing for brenda basically she's been trying to get her fiber up and the other day she tells me i have a really great way of getting my fiber up i've been having some um raisin bran every day and I'm like, Brazen Bran has gluten in it. It's bran. <laughs> and she was like, it does? I've been feeling fine. And this is somebody who's completely been gluten-free for like four years. So I'm here thinking, well, maybe I'm okay. I mean, maybe I should try eating gluten. <laughs> sure enough, now I'm eating gluten. <laughs> I had regular pizza the other day and I'm fine. Is it possible for you to say these two words back to back? Eating gluten and not eating gluten. <laughs> Just out of curiosity. <laughs> eating gluten. Eating gluten. Eating gluten. Yes, we we sure are. Okay, as embarrassing as that story is, it speaks to your points. We were in the grocery store just yesterday and Alex is holding, goes to the freezer section. She's literally holding up a bag of gluten-free bread. Like she's just caught a fish. Like that's how she's holding this thing. Like, look at this 18 pound bass. And she's like, can I stop buying this now? And I was like, but part of me is worried to make a sandwich with regular bread, Mm -hmm. but I will eat a scone. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know I'm not the only one out there. I'm working on it. Yeah, you're crazy. There's probably a support group for like. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had food sensitivities, <laughs> but I realized I don't. Hi, my name is Alex, and I'm intolerant to gluten. <laughs> <laughs> it has been four days since I last said I am intolerant to gluten. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's all this. It's like there's a general generational link. I guess we'll lump you in with Gen Z here. Um, well, you had lots of symptoms, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's, um, and it's all in your head. Like you can manifest like digestion issues. That's possible because you can stress out about like, oh my God, I can't believe I just eat cow's dairy. And mm-hmm. I thought it was goat's Those dairy. Those farts were real, Meredith. <laughs> when? <laughs> like, oh my God, really? That was just the broccoli though. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's wild. Uh, the, yeah. But anyways, that's just to, to go back to the sort of psychosomatic gut brain stress link you can make things worse by stressing about them 100%. Do you guys ever get the clients that come to you with their like IgG tests? Oh yeah, just the other yeah, day. Yeah. And I hate <laughs> I hate having to be the person who's I don't, like Yeah, cuz they're expensive, aren't they? They are. And it's yeah. it's always like, well, I, you know, I I went to my ND and I was like, well, that's your first problem. Um <laughs> I went I got this through my ND. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it says I'm sensitive to, it's always gluten, eggs, dairy, like it's always those three. And I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> how often do you eat gluten, yeah, eggs, and dairy? How often do you eat those? And they're like, well, day. daily, I can't <laughs> believe I'm eating something I'm sensitive to. And I'm like, okay, um, IgG is going to tell you predominantly what proteins are in your diet mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's probably going to identify. So I usually say like, you know, a positive with IgG always needs to be confirmed with a more appropriate and clinically significant test mm-hmm. and that's my line mm-hmm. which is not to like write off that you might i'd never want to write off someone's concerns but i'm like the likelihood that you are sensitive to egg whites is extremely low. marcus philly says that almost everybody is allergic to eggs oh about how almost everyone is sensitive to them and this and this allergic i'm like you would know if you're allergic to eggs yeah. and it's usually like do you have any symptoms occur right after you eat these foods and it's usually no just started today <laughs> after i got my test i after had bread I read now, that post. now my neck's itchy <laughs> um yeah I, the igg thing needs to needs to go away mm-hmm. like those there's just so many companies that can run them because it's a pretty inexpensive test and then like doctors like you can't get it covered by insurance for a good reason and so yeah there's just there's a, there's people out there making a lot of money on igg tests because they're bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yeah, I could go down another rabbit hole, but we'll go back. <laughs> we'll go back to FODMAP. Yeah. Um, so the way that the, the diet works, again, three phases. So you do restriction for four to eight weeks. You remove all the FODMAP foods. You really try to get uh, ad- adequate nutrients from other foods. So you try to still get uh, fiber from flax, calcium from leafy greens, stuff like that. The like real key here is that if after those eight weeks, there's no symptom resolution, the diet is over you just stop because <laughs> it did nothing yeah exactly yeah. uh if there is improvement then you go on to the second phase which is reintroduction um so a specific approach is used for each of the subtypes um usually they go with oligosaccharides first um, because they're usually uh important as prebiotics so we want to get those back in as quickly as possible um and then we need to assess the personal threshold tolerance to these specific FODMAPs. So you can, um, again, like I mentioned before, you can have, um, yeah, a threshold. So like you can have a little bit, but you can't have 
more than this set amount and again that's personal and individualized and that's something that you kind of need to assess so again with like the reintroduction phase so you do this eight weeks of like a very restrictive diet and then it's still restrictive you add like one thing back in and you wait and you see if anything if symptoms um come up and if they don't then then you're good then you can take that out and try put something else in like it's not an easy thing um and then you move on to long-term management once you've kind of like figured out what your like triggers and what your thresholds are um so obviously uh like i mentioned before as well the ultimate goal is to get as many foods back as possible um so you don't want to just be living your life with as with no fodmap foods you want to get as many of those back in um and then it's just important to note that it's not a catch-all for everyone with ibs there has been a lot of uh, good results um, but some people will only experience a little bit um, of symptom alleviation some people will get full relief and about 30 percent won't respond at all um, and then at that in that case I don't know if you would go for like more kind of like uh, like intrusive testing or what what you would do um, there. there are some like auto like Crohn's like there are some autoimmune disorders that could be which I guess you would do, you would, you would sort Try of assess for those first. first. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could, you could have IBS and then still not, not see full, um, resolution from this. Um, and then you have what's probably called idiopathic, yeah. IBS, which <laughs> yeah. idiopathic is the fancy word for, we, we have no fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> which is um, not funny because anyone with an idiopathic anything is probably just really frustrated. Yeah, for sure. It's just kind of a funny word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess like the main, main thing, uh, that you want to do that, want to like touch on with that is that you should not embark on that on your own. Um, it should definitely be something that is led by a professional who knows what they're doing and can help guide you through it. Cause otherwise it's going to be even more terrible to go through. Yeah. And you want to like the reintroduction period is really important because that has to be done in a pretty methodical way for you to get any actual answers, answers. from it. Yeah. yeah. And then the like the tolerance, I think it's really important and that highlights highlights the difference between a, a legitimate food sensitivity and an allergy. Because mm-hmm. anytime or a lot of times, I guess, when there is a sensitivity, like you said, that's not going to be a, a like a yes or no. It's not quite as binary as an allergy it tends to be like there is a probably a threshold to it. Um, I was just thinking, so the, the FODMAP, like you've seen the list of foods, it's Mm -hmm. quite extensive. So let's say someone goes on a FODMAP diet, but they're only routinely exposed to maybe 50% of what's on that list. Um, what then would happen? I guess it, it, there needs to be some awareness of when you're just, you're out living your life and let's say they, they identify one or two specific foods that they have a threshold intolerance to. And then they're out and about and they eat something that um, maybe at a restaurant or like a friend's house that is on the FODMAP list, um, but wasn't something that they were previously exposed to and therefore wasn't like reintroduced. You They could have a like a return of like full on symptoms or at least some symptoms to that. Yeah. So I guess it's sort of, I don't know what the question here is. It's imp- I guess it's important to have sort of an ongoing awareness that like food environments can change sensitivities can change mm-hmm. and that it's like the the FODMAP or any kind of elimination diet really should also arm you with that awareness and how to be s- at least somewhat objective about your diet on an ongoing basis yeah just have that kind of like knowledge going in and then at least be able to look back if you have like recurring 
symptoms and be like, oh, well, I, I ate this at this person's house that yeah. day. So that's probably. And I haven't had eggplant in six <laughs> years. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's not reasonable to say like you have to eat everything on this list before like do a no. proper like, you know, run in period on a FODMAP protocol. But there is that possibility that you're exposed to a food that you you didn't include before and you didn't include in the re- reintroduction mm-hmm. and that would potentially have symptoms. So it's it's probably not a one and done thing. It's but it, it would be if you're like at least smart enough, you could say, yeah, I did have eggplant that is on the, i don't even know if eggplant was on the sure. list i think it I, I think it is i don't know it's a weird looking food it's so a- i assume um you know and i haven't had that so it was probably that i will remember this going forward or maybe you know do a i don't know eliminate eggplant from that point forward mm-hmm. and then eat it again in eight weeks i don't know how you would do that but yeah that's interesting. I've never personally struggled with IBS, but I I know a lot of people or a handful who have struggled with those symptoms and it is um yeah, quite something. I'm glad I didn't know you when you were struggling with it. It seems like I was single for most of it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, it's probably common. I don't know why. I don't know if I had I was single because I had issues or I had issues because I was single. <laughs> I was also in your in your in between time, G- girls and boys, girls and boys. <laughs> yeah, so I think you hadn't transitioned I over. I was never into boys at any time. Yeah, it was just they were your beard. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. We've all been there. <laughs> um, no, it's really interesting though. Mm-hmm. You know, so y- I safe to say you know a lot about poop. Yeah, I learned a lot about poop. Has anyone ever sent you a photo? No, it's been described in quite lengthy detail, but never quite a photo. Yeah. Photo hits a little different. (laughs) Not that I can say from experience. Yeah. No. I haven't received a a poop photo either. (laughs) Um, okay. So I wanted to book bookend this this podcast with a few questions for Lindsay. Okay. First one. Do I know these questions? Okay. This will be good. Okay. First one. And this is out of genuine curiosity. How many unread emails do you currently have in your inbox? Did you see it? Is that what you I asked? saw a red <laughs> dot and I was like, oh no, she's one of those ones. Let's see. Let's take a look. But just so you guys she know. She doesn't even know. The tactic one is separate. I use it on my browser, not on my <laughs> laptop one. 34,473. <laughs> That's actually the highest I've ever heard. <laughs> Usually when my personal Gmail gets to 15,000, I like bulk read everything <laughs> or mark everything as read. So that goes, it goes away. That's How many do you have, Meredith? I saw you had a, a lot in your inbox. I have, um, on Tactic, I have 438. Um, but I get a lot of like everything that we're subscribed to or like any piece of software that we use. I get those emails. So I'm like, whatever like shopify aaas zoom so yeah i ignore a lot of what about on your personal account personal i have 564 (laughs) yeah so so okay listen my personal email i've had since i was probably 17 yeah okay ditto i'm subscribed to so many pointless things that i'm not going to take the time to open I can't. It's it's too far gone now. I can't go through and unsubscribe. <laughs> Way too far gone to 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 all of these. Yeah. So, I just <laughs> there's gonna have to be something that comes out eventually that 
like allows us to clean this up. Yeah. I used to, to sort, I have a folder for my personal that it puts every email with the word unsubscribe at the bottom in the folder. Mm. So all of those subscriptions just go and I don't have to look at them. I could do that. Yeah. Except for the tactic newsletter. I, I pulled that one out. I get that one. I um I have zero. Yeah. Wow. Well, that yet doesn't really surprise no. me either, though. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I would love to get to that point, but it's just like, what do I do? Do I make mm-hmm. a new email? Like, you don't, don't know. I would never because my email is first name dot last name Same. at Gmail. When I signed up for yeah. Boston, I got automatically subscribed to some emails, and I've already unsubscribed. That's how you have to do it. <laughs> Savage. You just got to stay on top of it. It's too late. It's too late. So my next question is, what was the story of the first time you got drunk? Or do you have another funny drunk story? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know how funny it is, but like the first time I got drunk, I was like thinking about when this would have been. And I would have been like, can I say that I was underage? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I probably would have been like 15 or 16 and we late bloomer. Went, yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, we went out to my friend Felicia's farm and it was, I just remember it being like total chaos. Like at one point the window was open, um, like on the, on the like upper floor and we were like out on the roof. Like we went out the, <laughs> I used to do stuff like that. <laughs> and then, uh someone threw a cup at me and i like hit it and we broke it and we felt bad and then i was <laughs> i then i also remember just like running down the, the roof and then falling yeah, off no, i never fell off i was like running down the driveway and you landed on a cow yeah <laughs> yeah i need alex to embellish these stories um yeah so there was nothing like too crazy about it i didn't like the first time i drank i didn't get like sick or anything um but i just remember it, it being chaos like i didn't know what was happening have you ever been to a bush party yes i grew up i had to ask (laughs) so people who live in like bc alberta saskatchewan there's like they always used to go to bush parties and i've never (laughs) been to one but apparently they're pretty popular they are you just go out to the bush yeah you literally you just pick like a farmer's field and you're like i'm gonna drink here and then all your friends come and they drink there too and there's usually a fire involved. There's usually like a bonfire or something. And yeah, you just drink in a field. We had those. I just They didn't have a name. <sighs> it was just like show up for a fire. Yeah. But like come to think of it, how the hell did we ever find the place? Drop a pin. Yeah. I was like, no, you just went to the pin. No. <laughs> I was like, no, those were like map quest days. We had school, to print it. You would just be like, yeah. it's that, it's that field that's off of range road 13 uh just drive down it off of uh whatever highway and you'll find us okay (laughs) sounds all right yeah you like start looking for the fire i guess yeah and that was like a thing too like when we were growing up like you would just drive around like you yeah so then you would see people partying and you would just stop and party and party That was a pure time. It was. It like was. The, Those were the good old yeah, days. Yeah, we're the last pure generation. I'm I think. honestly so happy that we didn't have like Instagram and like just like social media really. Yeah. Well, I was like Facebook started when I was in like grade 10 or something. But we had MySpace honestly, and like AOL Messenger. Yeah, we had MSN Messenger yeah. <laughs> with dial up internet. 
Um, but yeah, kids now, they just go through so much more, I think. Yeah. With like internet bullying and stuff. Oh. I would put up like, I would have like an away message up on AOL, but it'd always be some like emo bullshit. Yeah. Some <laughs> yeah. like song lyric. <laughs> always my chemical romance or something <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something from helena yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like what are you doing you sounded really cool i was <laughs> chatted with a lot of people um okay my next question is for meredith do you put water on your toothbrush before you put toothpaste on or after you put toothpaste on or both <laughs> this is both people do both Alex does both. I do both. Oh. Why, though? <laughs> Extra moisture. Is this from Meredith or for Meredith? It's from. Oh, it's from you. Okay, so I wet it first, and then I put the toothpaste on. Because if you put it on after, it might knock the toothpaste off, and then it's just a disaster. And then you have to, like, clean it out of your sink. Mm. I'm just going to start doing no water. I'm just going to dry <laughs> style <laughs> toothpaste. Your mouth is wet. You probably <laughs> don't even need it. It's such a like obligatory oh, yeah. thing to do. What about in the morning? Your mouth is not very wet in the morning. <laughs> I, there's only one way to find out. So I'm going to do that. I think flossing is actually more important. I go through intermittent periods of flossing. Yeah, so do I. But I also get great report cards at the dentist. I don't. So I need to. Oh, you don't? No. And I made that my New Year's resolution to floss more. And honestly, I've already flossed more this year than I did last year. So I've already like nailed it. But I got <laughs> to yeah. keep it up. I like... I do floss and then I go to the dentist and they are like, do you floss? And then I realized that I was using floss that apparently doesn't do anything. It's like, it's like that tiny, it's like a tiny ribbon. Interesting. What kind do I have? You have the good stuff now. We replaced it and I replaced yours. Yeah. I have those like little picks right now. Like the, yeah, the picks are a good way to start. Yeah. Cause you can put them out on the... I bought like a big thing of floss, like one of the things, mm-hmm. and then I just left it out on the counter. And so I flossed like a champ mm-hmm. and then I ran out. That's what I have to do with supplements <laughs> too. Like I have to have them out on the table in front of me. Chris puts them away. I stopped taking them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The supplements have to stay out <laughs> for sure. Um, okay. Next question. I've been thinking about getting a tattoo. Do you have any ideas? <laughs> any ideas? I'm not giving you tattoo ideas because I have to live with you. Meredith says she wants to get a Harry Potter one. <laughs> Did I say that? I saw a girl recently that has like a wand tattooed on her forearm. Like a like the whole link? Like the whole, yeah. That's kind of sick. I wonder what kind of wand it yeah. <laughs> to ask her. I was thinking, and be honest, tell me if this is a bad idea, but I was thinking like a tiny little black and white cat, but like maybe just the outline of it, of the ears. On so it'll be like a stamp. On what part of your body? <laughs> I, I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it sounds very unobtrusive. I love cats. I need ink under my skin. After I got my most recent one, I decided that I've crossed the threshold now, and now I just want to be covered in them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so I have my next one planned. I was talking to a girl, actually, and it's going to be on my forearm and basically be like a band with like flowers around it also are you gonna do like a sleeve eventually yeah, think, yeah just like i like that yeah, I why not right as well i have a client who's going head to toe like really? neck down whole body yeah well, and he's really close wow yeah it's he's got how his, does he have his, enough ideas you know like how do you like something enough to have 
I think he just kind of like he has some themes and then lets the artist just do I'm like that's also a lot of money yeah I mean I don't know what whole body costs but it's got to be in the like tens of thousands of dollars I was talking about this the other day with like tattooing too is that like like when I forgot my first one I was 18 or something and so like my sister and I literally just like <laughs> Googled like tattoo artist near yes. me, and we yes. like booked the first girl that came up, and like went and got these birds tattooed on our rib cages, and then the birds always yeah. the first. <laughs> you <laughs> got a bird. <laughs> what was your first one? <laughs> and uh, now with like Instagram, like you you can vet these people. You can go and like look at all their work and decide like what kind of like like uh what's it called style you like yeah and then like all the good ones now their books are closed because everybody's getting tattoos now where like before you could vet them yeah but here's how that goes you show up at the tattoo parlor <laughs> there's the book and there's the book and you're looking at it and you're going in your head you're like Fuck, i don't like any of this stuff <laughs> yeah. but you know what i'm here so like, literally what happened that's how that goes because you're like in your head you're like no i really want one so it's just like dopamine yeah. everywhere it's all of your body's me. full of dopamine but i'm still happy with mine yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, like, probably got lucky. I got lucky. Did you get lucky with the birds? You it's like the fine. Birds? Like, yeah. I would like it. Again, I was 18, so I'd like it touched up. But yeah, yeah we, like, all things considered, we got lucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My sister, I think, on our 18th birthday, went and got, she has stars on her foot. She has, like, mm. three. I'm like, that's such a typical, like, two th- early 2000s, 18-year-old <laughs> tattoo. You're like, yeah. I want stars on my foot. <laughs> it was when the foot tattoo was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah that's good i don't know what kind of tattoo i would get i was thinking about adding to my band mm-hmm. i'm worried about the band honestly like how do they keep it so straight i'm like worried that they're gonna like <laughs> i was so impressed but we went to there's like a guy that does l- really good line work okay. in um like on fourth ave or on marta not marta loop um mission and yeah, you want to go to like a line person. Yeah, he did a really good job on yours. Yep. What's your next question there? Alex? My next question is because Lindsay's told us about this, and I want her to share. Tell us about Millie's pregnancies. <laughs> so I learned. I also learned this and went down a rabbit hole learning about this. And actually, the vet told me mostly what I needed to know. But Millie, before she got spayed, went through two heat cycles and along with those heat cycles she had phantom pregnancies which is apparently very common in dogs it apparently happens in 50 percent of dogs i think most people get their dogs spayed before they go through heat i had read that for for big dogs it's best to wait to get them spayed until they're at least a year and a half so that's what i was doing so that's why she went through heat twice so what happens is (laughs) Her nipples swell up. She gets like really whiny and like really needy. Like she needs to be around me all the time. And then she starts feeling or like thinking, I assume that her toys are her babies. So she <laughs> takes them. She <laughs> she carries them around and then she gathers them all into her bed and basically just like takes care of them. <laughs> and then she'll bring one to you. And if you throw it, because that's what you would usually do with like her like penguin ball toy. She looks at you like you've <laughs> <just> <laughs> hocked her baby across the floor. <laughs> this is so good. Very confusing time for all of us. She was very upset during most of it. Like, I just felt bad for her mostly. But, uh, yeah, her nipples were quite swollen for, for quite a while. And her, her, like, personality changed a bit. I mean, you said, yeah. like, sort of emotional and sad. Yeah, and so then she got, like, really protective of us. So, like, 
Millie is a very social dog, like to the point that it's embarrassing. Like she doesn't give the other dog a chance to like meet her. She just like goes and tries to like immediately play with them. But when she was in this like phantom pregnancy, she didn't like other dogs and she actually <coughs> kind of attacked another dog at, at the dog park. It was like enough that the lady was was mad at me, which was like like reasonable but millie had never done anything like that before i had no reason to think that she was going to do that did you explain that she thinks she's pregnant (laughs) (laughs) how much time do you have she's phantom pregnant i just gotta explain (laughs) do you see how big her nipples are (laughs) so yeah so that woman was probably like holy (laughs) shit get that dog away from me she's gonna snag those things apparently sometimes dogs even like fully lactate like she could like because okay so this is this is where it comes from is that like because they're descendants from wolves apparently the alpha female wolf would have the puppies and then the other uh female wolves would stay behind and take care of the puppies so they would have to produce milk also so that they could feed the puppies. that makes sense so basically millie is a beta (laughs) <laughs> big beta energy from yeah. millie <laughs> big beta energy. oh man that's so good yeah that's a great story <laughs> good time millie mm-hmm. um all right well this has been awesome so thanks for coming on again mm-hmm. um you're extremely good. knowledgeable and well-spoken and we always enjoy having you and we'll we have another topic so we'll do this one we'll do it again um soon yeah so Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Like, subscribe, share, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.